Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to the newest members of The Modern Manager community. Benjamin T., David L., and Charles C., I am so glad that you have joined, and I hope that you'll just jump right into the community forum and access the episode guides and all of the dozens of guest bonuses at this point. If you are wondering what I'm talking about, here is the quick highlight. Memberships start at $2 per month, and there are various perks that go with each level. These range from the community forum, where anyone can post a question, and I, along with your other members, will respond. There are group coaching calls, where we tackle your specific management questions in that intimate group setting, to guest bonus content, and private coaching calls, and a lot more. Please go to mamieks.com join to learn more and become a supporter of the show. Now, for those of you who have requested an episode on managing in a retail or non-office location, this episode is for you. But even if you aren't in a retail or non-office setting, there is still a lot to be learned from this guest that you can apply to almost any team setting. So today's episode is a fun one. I talk with Lauren Karens, who is the co-founder of Fox and Jane Salons, Skin Habit, and Little Lion Salon. Her projects employ over 150 people in three different states. Lauren leads the charge in coaching and mentoring leaders, executives, and managers of all levels. And with nearly a decade of entrepreneurial experience and seven years as a wildly successful CEO of Fox and Jane Salon Group, Lauren can comfortably say that the secret to her success is deeply rooted in her ability to establish a company culture. Lauren and I talk about building that exact culture in a retail environment, how to grow that consistent culture across multiple locations, and how to stay connected and informed with what's happening on the floor. Now here's our conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lauren. I am really excited for you to share your story and your practices and your lessons learned. But before we get into that, I have to give out two shout outs. The first is to our mutual friend, Danielle, who suggested that we talk. And the second is to your business, which was what we're going to talk about today, Fox and Jane, because my husband gets his hair cut there. Uh-huh. And he looks amazing and he loves it and he does not usually like getting his haircut, but he's been going to Fox and Jane for a couple of years and it's like the best part of his day now. Well, yay, Danielle. And thank you so much for that. That's lovely to hear. It's always amazing to kind of connect with people who come in and especially the ones that I don't know directly, you know, who come in and hear about their experience. I, I love that. So thank you. All right. So let's start by you sharing your story. So can you give us a brief history of you and your business, so we can set some context here. Yeah, so I'm a hairstylist by trade, and I was a what I would call like a diehard hairstylist. It's one of those industries where people really do it because they love it, and it's got such a cult feeling to it once you're in hair. And I never really thought of myself as someone who would own my own business, but through my journey, you know, I just kind of was told a couple different times, you know, you're, you're a natural leader or you've got such an influence over the room or, you know, could you help me to kind of get our team on board for this? And my career started in Colorado, but led me to New York City in 2010. And I was so lucky because I was able to work at some kind of really high-end, very, very notable salons in New York City right when I got here. 
and I experienced some of like the highest level of customer service out there with some of the least culture and the worst habits. And before that, I had been at a salon in Colorado for a very long time where there was just an amazing familial energy and a culture where everyone had a certain amount of ownership and stewardship over just the process and the output and the quality that was created every day. So I went this extreme culture shock when I moved to New York City around kind of a more competitive nature, a more dismissive culture, and maybe a bit of like a just unhealthy place to work. And so after having been a hairstylist for over a decade, I moved to New York City. And within my first year in New York City, I was opening a salon, which in hindsight is crazy pants. <laughs> but, you know, I just kind of got a bee in my you know bonnet. I had a, a manager say to me, I had said, hey, you know, you're never around. And I think you, you could use a manager, excuse me, as an owner. And this owner said, you know, I'm never going to pay for a manager, but you could do a great job owning your own little salon, Lauren. And it just, for whatever reason, it just sparked something in me. And I really saw myself with that capability for the first time. And I started looking at small business loans for women and how can I get this done? And, you know, life kind of presented a path. And about, I want to say three to six months later, I had my first location with my business partner, who's a marketing, digital marketing specialist uh, here in New York City. So it just kind of was like a series of events that started in 2011. And one step into another, I started to realize I did have a knack for creating a community, creating a culture, setting standards, setting a stone, a tone, excuse me, really you know, laying in foundations that people were responding to and that not only customers were responding to, but that a community of stylists and apprentices were responding to. So our first location launched in 2011. And I think our second location launched at the end of 2011. So it was like within nine months of my first business, I had two businesses, which was wild. And we've kind of grown that way ever since. So now we are launching our 10th Fox and Jane location currently. I can't quite tell you where that's going to be yet. There's still some ink to dry, but it's very exciting. You know, my life has changed dramatically. I have gone from a full-time hairstylist who never had a business degree or never had a formal college degree, only my cosmetology degree. And I am a CEO of about 150 people, three states, and soon to be internationally, which is really exciting. So my life has been a real on-the-job training boot camp into what leadership and management uh, looks like and feels like. Wow. That's an amazing journey to have in less than a decade, really. That's yeah, it's been unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Like, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been wonderful. A lot of work, but it's my favorite hobby, I always say. It's like, you know, it's the thing <laughs> I get to do when I wake up and I get to be a part of this project and this mission with so many wonderful people. And I think we're doing something really special in the beauty industry. So, so thank you. Yeah, I feel really lucky. All right, let's go back to the very, very, very beginning. So you mentioned that you didn't really like the culture that you felt in salons in New York. So when you started Fox and Jane, what were some of the things that you wanted to do differently? Or what were some of the cultural tones or that, that essence that you're like, when I start my business, these things are going to be really important? I think for me, I've always thought that the salon breeds such a strong sense of community. We're really collaborative by nature, but there's a lot of competitions bred into salons where certain things would happen. Like, you know, you weren't encouraged to talk to your peer next to you, or you weren't encouraged to talk to the client of the person working next to you. 
those were things that right away for me, I thought we're going to breed out that competitive nature. And one of our you know, foundational philosophies is we rise and fall together. So I know as a leader and a mentor and a manager that if you're busy and have a great reputation and we spill that over to the person next to you and the person next to you, then the, the likelihood that that becomes a, you know, a standard for the business is much greater. And so for us, it was never about having stars. It was about having kind of a sense of unity. If one of us get a bad review, we're all going to review it together and figure out how did this happen and how do we prevent it as a team? So one of the things we really train on is you're actually not just responsible for the person in your chair. You're also responsible for the person on your right and on your left in those chairs. So there's a team environment that says we're all responsible to cater to this room, whether or not I'm actually performing a service on you or not. Also development. I think hairdressers at times have been looked at as you know, that old cliche, the beauty school dropout, the thing you do to get yourself through college. You know, I remember being asked that question at a young age, oh, are you doing this to go to college? And I'm like, actually, I left college to do this, <laughs> you know? So for me, one of my big goals and values and missions in this business has to been to professionalize and give a real sense of understanding the metrics and data that create and generate success for hairstylists. So real, a real ownership and sense of authority beyond just being creative artists. You know, I think those are things we just came kind of came in and began with empowerment and a sense of collaboration. And here's what we can do if we do it together. So I imagine that was a little bit challenging in the beginning because I've heard from other people that when you're working in a retail setting, that sometimes the people don't want to interact with each other. Like they might be working the floor together, but it's not like you're sitting in an office in a meeting where you have to interact with these people to achieve some common outcome. So how did you help? either hire people who were inclined for that or train them and get them to actually follow through on being more collaborative and, and feeling a sense of mutual responsibility and ownership? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's something that it, it, there's no short answer. You know, we still work on it every single day and we will still kind of refresh and reinvigorate that message into our business as often as we can because, you know, in the beginning, you know, many years ago when I just had two employees, it was kind of easy for me to kind of make this collaborative spirit and be like, oh my gosh, we had such a great day. Did you see so-and-so break broke a goal? And, you know, she sold the most product she's ever seen. And she got that five-star review. We gave that person such an amazing experience. You know, when it was just the, a handful of us, it happened organically. We held each other to that standard. And, and if someone would kind of start to bring in a little bit of that competitive edge, you know, we would just nip it in the bud and say, you know, here we really believe that instead of talking bad about that teammate who maybe had a hiccup today, we're going to use this as a tool for development. And we're all going to take a, a look and ev evaluate what could have even been better if in that situation. Today and throughout the hiring process, I think a couple things come into play. One is to tell anyone who you meet for an interview that that will be the standard of which they're graded against. Because you want people to choose you just as much as you choose them. Oftentimes in interviews, you know, I do a kind of a fun thing where I say rate yourself on a one through 10 on things like loyalty, punctuality, communication skills. Uh, many times people give themselves all eights and nines. Later on down the road, when someone's talking, you know, badly or working more competitively, I can say, hey, do you remember in our interview where we talked about this was a huge standard of operation for us that we care deeply about this? Okay, well, we can see this might be more of a challenge for you than we initially anticipated. So let's do some work on it. And we really just look at it as a tool of development like anything else, just like learning to cut hair, 
just like learning, you know, math, learning the skill around this being a team environment is something we train on really endlessly from, you know, orientation day all the way up to our most senior talent. I love this emphasis on training and development. And I imagine that it's not common in other businesses and other salons or other retail spaces. How do you do that when I would imagine that a lot of the day is spent actually serving customers? How do you find time or where do you weave it into your schedule to do that kind of emphasis and focus on development? Yeah, that's that's something that is trained. You know, we have amazing leadership program where we train out our salon. We call them leaders just because for me, the word manager can get a little tricky. I think I don't like people to rest in management. I really want them to elevate all the way through to being, you know, leaders and mentors. That's just my personal definition of how we treat it at Fox and Jade. But we give them a couple of different tactics and tools. And one of the things we do is we call it in the moment training. So I always say there's three types of coaching, right? There's in the moment training, and that could be something as small as a head glance or a nod in the right direction. And we use that so often in salon because as you said, we're right in front of the customer. So sometimes that head glance could be Sally is talking about politics or religion and I'm the leader working next to her and she's just forgotten herself. She's so comfortable with this client that she's gone into a space that kind of doesn't fit within the values of the brand and of our team. And so that in the moment coaching would just look like, hey Sally, and just a little eye contact and maybe a tiny little head, you know, shake no. And a redirect. It's not negative. It's not harsh. It's just what I call in the moment coaching. It's a in the moment opportunity to catch someone and have them go, oh, what am I doing? Right. And it just, it happens all the time in front of clients. So we use in the moment coaching to kind of keep the floor on track. And we try to keep it really subtle and really professional and really positive and just move forward because we all forget ourselves sometimes. Then there's escalated coaching in you know, different levels of that. But that in the moment training that we give to our leaders is invaluable in a salon environment because you kind of do have to catch little snafus right in front of a customer. That is so smart. And I actually do that in meetings in different ways also where I notice that someone might be saying some things with a little bit too much emotion or maybe they're kind of like going on and on and you need to kind of cut them off that sometimes, especially if you have a good rapport with that person, a little like sideways kind of like, yeah, point at your watch kind of thing, like you're going on too long or a little like foot tap yep. is just enough that they're like, oh yeah, I should probably wrap up my thoughts oh, or yeah. oh, maybe exactly. I should slow down for a second. Exactly. Yes, it's, that's well said. All right. So you started off with this mission and you wanted to build a community and a healthy salon and a culture and you grew from one location to two. And what was that like? And how did you start to kind of pull yourself to, I'm guessing, some new level of management, probably some leadership, but also just management of now being spread across multiple locations. Yeah. What's so interesting, it's funny because, gosh, I think I just had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) In hindsight, it's so funny to think now. I think what's been so interesting about this brand is that we were so culturally strong. We had such a vision and a voice and a tone. We were able to generate amazing hairstylists. But I, when you say management, I hear a little bit of like operations within that. And I think my weakness was in the operations and the strategy. And so look between location one and two, I was able to duplicate a vibe, but I didn't yet have a mastery of what happens at one location happens very clearly at two in operations and management. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think that came later for me. 
where I think a much more typical pathway for someone who's going multi-location would build an operations plan, right? And then launch and try to fill culture. And I actually did this business very much the opposite of that, where our culture just kept growing. We were bubbling over with, we, we kind of lovingly call them like with foxes, right? We were just creating these awesome vibe, amazingly talented people. And I had to really work later as we got to more locations on designing an operations map and management map. But our leadership and culture was what allowed us to grow most quickly. So between one and two locations, I think in management, you know, I just had someone in place whose voice and vision kind of matched my own, who I had mentored. And I was able to say, okay, I've mentored you to a certain place where I feel as though you're able to go and mentor others. Yeah. And, and I think management, the talent around management and those common threads that pull the operations and systems together came a little bit later for us. So let's be really specific. How did you kind of stay connected to or kind of currently stay connected to what's happening in each salon? How do you stay in communication with all of the people who are actually running the salons and surfacing issues or questions to you? What do you do? So. Many years ago, when we, we had a couple of different managers, we started to implement a, a few things that work really well for us. One is we do a monthly management meeting, and it's about four hours long. We do different you know, things from cultural development to technical development and refreshes to you know, just processes and implementations that they need to know. You know I'm sure uh, five years ago, they were more conversational and more, what are we all going through? And now they're very structured. But I find that monthly meeting, whether that be remote, on the phone and on Skype, or you know, whether that be in meeting here in New York, where we have our primary location base, those meetings are invaluable. We also do three additional meetings a month on the phones with our leaders. So we have a productivity meeting after our leadership meeting. So that being the second week of the month, we go through their sales, their data, their goals, you know, anything they're working on, anything they've broken through, anything to celebrate, anything of concern. We evaluate all the data and the metrics around what happened the month prior, or you know, maybe if we had a quarterly goal or a contest going, we do that the, the second week of every month after the leadership meeting. And the third week of every month is actually a coaching call fully focused on development and challenges and team morale and inspiration and any little things that have come up throughout the month or any little ideas they have to help develop a team member. The last week of the month is actually focused fully on inventory, making sure that our inventory counts are coming in clearly, our inventory specialist is getting things out in a timely fashion, things are being checked in correctly. So really they're connected to us every single week and we focus and refine it down to a different conversation to make sure that we're having, you know, really every conversation we need to. We also do things such as have, you know, random audits to make sure that things from quality and customer care are being kept up on, but also that the locations look great and that there's, you know, not chipped paint everywhere and that there's not hair on the floor when they when someone walks in. And I also have an amazing team of, you know, marketers, executives, operations director, HR, and, you know, HR support. So I also have an amazing executive team at this point of people who get called to be resources to my managers. All right. You know, I'm a meetings person. So I love that you have all these meetings and that they have a particular focus because the generic weekly team meetings that a lot of organizations have are so unproductive and you have really crafted constructive, important meetings, but keeping them on that weekly, regular basis gives you that rhythm. So super cool. Thank you. Yeah. When I have, you know, a bunch of travel or say a holiday rolls around and we just are like, okay, we can't all move our leadership meeting. I feel 
like six months have gone by. I love our meeting. So to me, that's an indication that we are keeping them really pointed and important because I actually don't love meetings. I want to make sure that we only have them when we need them, that they're super focused and clear. And I I shouldn't say I don't love meetings. I should say there are times when I think I, I, I work with colleagues or I work with different vendors who want to have a meeting just to kind of sip tea together and, you know, sip coffee. And I'm like, I want productive, valuable, important time where we're working on something together. We all came to have a similar conversation. So well said. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk about feedback. So how do you deal with feedback? And we talked about this a little bit earlier with the kind of in the moment coaching, but I'm talking about like when the customer writes a negative review or when somebody sees something and they're like, oh, we need to have a conversation about this. Like, how do you deal with feedback on a team? And does it stay within an individual location or do things surface up to the full company level? Yeah. You know, feedback is so tricky. It's so interesting because I think one of our missions in feedback is to t- make it evaluative and to make sure that we're never ignoring feedback, but also to ensure that we create a climate where our staff and our community feels a little bit safe to fail. And what I mean by that is that do I ever want us to get a, a poor review or a poor feedback or have a client who doesn't love their experience and outcome? No, ob- obviously, as a salon owner, I wish that every outcome was just perfect. But Sometimes if we allow it to be true, that feedback gives us so much opportunity, so much room to grow, so much to work with. And so we really take feedback. We evaluate it on two fronts, what went well and even better if, because I think it's also important as a manager not to accuse our staff of doing something wrong if negative feedback does come in. Not to say, hey, we only believe our client. We only believe that you're a terrible hairdresser and that this scathing review must be true. So we like to approach it from a, what do you think happened here? How did you get to this point? And what were the aspects you can take ownership of that you did really, really beautifully well? And what, in hindsight, reading this person's perspective, do you wish you would have done differently to create a different outcome? So for us, it's really non-emotional and a tool of development. And feedback from coaching, you know, we like to create collaborative environments. So we're constantly seeking feedback. If we're saying hey, we have a customer service challenge. We want to heighten our level of customer service. The first people we ask how they think we're doing is our team. We want our team signed up for every mission that we put out. And in order to do that, they have to have a voice in the business. So we love internal feedback as far as a community, as far as our team, you know, kind of being our board of directors and voting us in a specific direction. We'll decide, you know, the finality of what's done and we'll drive it. But we absolutely love building a culture where there's a lot of voices and a lot of stewardship within our staff. So first off, that is really interesting how you look at feedback from customers and start from a place of like, let's get a full picture. I see this happen when you're dealing with conflict amongst people where they have two different stories. And usually as the manager, you're kind of sitting between them trying to like navigate this issue that they're both experiencing differently. So it's that's really smart to kind of sit back and say, all right, let's understand the full picture and what the customer says in context of what else may or may not have happened. And also just that how lucky that you even get that kind of feedback. So many managers and teams and businesses don't get to hear from their customers at all unless they specifically reach out and ask. And even then, you may or may not hear back from your customers. So what a gift to actually get to have that feedback come in to be able to help you to grow. 
And I think as well, most managers, right, we are dealing in development. Unless you're hiring executives who are coming in just, you know, beasts of what they do, and you're looking for someone who's going to relieve you, and they know exactly what to do, and they're going to take on a huge project, and they don't need, you know, anything but direction and goal setting from you. Most of us managers are dealing in development. And development comes in at the level of constantly giving them the ability and the opportunity to evolve. So if we go in from a place of accusation, before we even get to have that conversation, they've shut down and our likelihood of creating an aha moment or an impact is significantly less. So spot on. All right. We are coming to the end of our time together. So I want to ask you, as you know, this is called the modern manager. So can you share one of the incredible managers that you had the benefit of working with and for and what made him or her so spectacular? Oh, I'd love to because I, I actually still praise this woman as, you know, the, probably the person that changed my life as it, in the perspective of being an employee that, that valued work and valued what I do. I, I worked for a woman named Lenore Brieger in Colorado when I first got my chair. When I first got into the salon world, I got my license and I got my first job. And Lenore, you know, she, she was so interesting because she really was the person that taught me about coaching and communication. She created an environment where everybody took so much authority and ownership and sense of pride in every single thing that happened within the business. It was actually incredible. She had these very sophisticated hairstylists. I remember I was hired as an apprentice. And when she hired me, she said, I have to tell you, I haven't hired anyone in five years and I'm scared to death to hire you. And I thought, that is so weird. What do you mean you haven't hired anyone in five years? And it was because she had no turnover because she had almost created, even though these were in hiring considered employees, she created almost like an ownership feeling where everybody had such a say in the business. Everybody had such a pride in the business and they were so successful that nobody left in, in five years. And so I was able to slide in after someone I think moved or there was a more dramatic life change. But, you know, Lenore taught me about healthy confrontation and that confrontation and and challenging communications at times can be the best thing for you. I think before that, like so many of us, I was really afraid to get to have those deep conversations or those challenging conversations with my peers. And I remember she would say things like, I can try to solve this for you. But I bet if you go and talk to this person and we create a plan and a map and an intention for you. And by the time you're done, you guys will actually be closer and you will have created a a long-term solution for the two of you. And I remember having to have those first couple conversations where she, she didn't, uh, she didn't fix everything for us. She created a community and an environment that set a standard of, of respect and a tone of incredible levels of customer care that I just... When I left and after having worked for other managers, because I had been with her for six years and I went from being an assistant or an apprentice at that salon to being one of her lead stylists in about six years. And when I left and I saw how special and unique it was, because I think I didn't even know because I really grew up in that business with that amazing management technique, I was in shock. (laughs) I was in shock. But really, I think I always say because there was a lemon head, there is a fox and Jane. Because I, I was like, I can't, I'm addicted to that. Like, that's what I want. That's how it should feel to be an employee. That's what it should be like. And so she's been visited my business as many times. She's even taught classes in my business. I still say, I still make a joke. What would Lenore Brieger do? <laughs> because, because she's that mentor for me where I, you know, from having a really challenging circumstance, I'll think, gosh, how would she have thought about this? Or I'll still call her and I'll say, 
I've just got, I've got a new one that it's passing, you know, across my desk and you're not going to believe it. And I just, I'm stuck. So just that really values oriented, centered and grounded person who created a real home in the business that she built and it was her business, but it was ours too. Oh, that is so beautiful. Love it. I know I could, I could tear up when I talk about her. She, she was the best. She is the best. Awesome. All right. Well, where can people learn more about you and Fox and Jane and keep up with all the good stuff you guys are doing? Well, you can find us on our website at foxandjanesalon.com. You can find us on Instagram at foxandjane. You can find me at Lauren Karens on Instagram. And where else can you find us? You can hear about my book coming out in April called Culture Fox. Pretty excited about that. All right. So excited for your book. Thank you so, so, so much. Yeah. This is so fun, Mamie. Yes, it was. If you are as excited about Lauren's culture as I am, you can check out her new book, Culture Fox, How to Cultivate a Lasting Culture, My Path from Hairstylist to International CEO. And she has generously offered 15% off if you are a member of the Modern Manager community. You can become a member at mamieks.com slash join. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S for Canfer Stewart dot com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can also find at mamieks.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.